Welcome to the Healing Trauma and CPTSD Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Coven. I'm a certified trauma recovery and resilience coach, and this podcast is all about hope and recovery. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode. On today's podcast episode, I have with me trauma therapist Yolanda Ventiera. And she and I are going to be talking about something that she formulated, kind of like an easy way to understand the stages of, of trauma healing. And we're going to talk about uh, the three stages a little bit, uh, each stage, and kind of how they make sense. And the purpose of this is really to kind of give us um, a, sense of, a sense of direction when it comes to our trauma healing. Uh, very often we we want to be healed and we don't really understand the how or what's going on exactly or what needs to happen. So I really found that this little this little discussion and this little actually comes off of a um, she created this little diagram which was very simple, but it really spoke to me and um, that really helps us feel like we have sort of a direction to where we want to go and where we're going in terms of trauma recovery and and trauma healing and the stages of healing. So I hope you find this episode helpful. I just want to note that the sound quality is not great, but I didn't want to re-record because I really liked the actual episode. So enjoy. Hi, Yolanda. Hi, Monique. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and and to talk about this uh, really important subject that we're going to bring up. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, I'm excited about the topic because um, we're going to be talking about the stages of trauma healing and, you know, that the idea of trauma healing can seem overwhelming like where do we start and what's going on with it and so I know that you have formulated some kind of organization around it just so that it helps people feel like there's a little bit of a direction to to how it's going so I thought we could talk about that Um, your first stage is feeling safe would you um, share with us a little bit about the stages and, and feeling safe of course. Yes. So first of all, I want to say that I don't want to take like full credit because this um, easier, kind of like more understandable in my mind um, graph, which I actually made it into a post, is based on um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, Maslow talks about our needs for um, like the importance to have different needs uh, addressed before we reach our full potential, which in his, if if you see his pyramid, the full Mm -hmm. potential would be the self-actualization, right? Right. Um, But I, I guess when I thought about this, I was thinking in terms of how a lot of people are on Instagram and they're getting information and we get a lot of information about um, healing and, just being our best self, you know? And so I was thinking um, for some of the people who are 
who reach out to me, I know that this has been a struggle. And so I just kind of took it back to the basics and I thought about this in a way that could be easy for people to understand why that may happen. And so that's, um, that's when I created this, this graph. I don't know what I call it, like a three-step formula kind of thing, but yeah. Um, I, I loved it just because when I looked at it, and, and that, by the way, those of you who are wondering, looked at what, um, Yolanda has a wonderful Instagram account where she shares really amazing stuff on trauma recovery. Um, she'll give you her information uh, when we finish, but she had just created this, just this little graph that just, it, it, it shouted at me in a good way because it just kind of formulated what so many of us, you know, like you said, you're going to therapy and you're wondering why isn't this working? And well, maybe because you're not feeling as we see here in the first stage, feeling safe. And if you can't feel safe to begin with, how can any kind of information or change even start to kind of blossom? Yeah, exactly. And so one of the things that I really wanted to highlight on that, um, on these stages is the importance of understanding that each of us is actually born or can be born in a different stage because we do have intergenerational trauma and for people who are not very familiar with the term intergenerational trauma is just trauma bond for generation generation after generation until one person decides to do the work of changing mm -hmm. and basically change the way that they act and react and feel and think right and mm -hmm. then when they are parents they're passing on a different um a different uh, set of values and 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 yeah, ways patterns. to react mm -hmm. patterns really. exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so yes so then when i describe these stages the first one is um that it's so important for human beings beings to feel safe yeah before doing anything else mm -hmm. So yeah. if we were born in a family where, where we felt very unsafe, and unsafe is something very different for everyone, really. Some people, maybe they're safe. They, they felt unsafe because they felt that they could never speak up. Um, they were shamed, criticized, put down, you know. Um, a lot of the times we think of safety in terms of, of like a physical abuse, but there's mm -hmm. emotional abuse where, yeah. where people often not only dismissed, right? Because uh, one thing is to like not connect with you, but then another thing is to actually um, do things to purposely make you feel bad emotionally. Yeah. And, and even, even as not valuing, um, you know, what your opinion or mm -hmm. what you say, or, and, and, you know, being told that what you say is stupid or irrelevant or not right. I mean, that alone can kind of start to create, well, then I'm not safe to say what I really want to say. And I'll just say what he wants to, or she wants to hear. And then it's just that whole not feeling safe being themselves. 
Yes, exactly. So there's a lot of like fear involved. And mm-hmm. when there is the absence of physical abuse, a lot of people can feel like can question whether they what they experienced was really abuse. And yeah, like if, if you so the difference between um, abuse and having an unmet need is if the if your parent or caregiver intentionally try to make you feel bad right so like it's very different to like let's say that a a child is trying to connect with their parent it's very different to have that need dismissed and your parent not be emotionally available than to have your parent turn around and say you are this or that for feeling that right like right you're 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 a coward for for being scared um, yes. Yeah. So, so that's the difference of the um, emotional abuse, or just having an un- unmet um, need, which I'm going to cover a little um, later right now. Okay. Um, so yeah. So, so sometimes people when they start, I have to stop you just for a second because I'm 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 still kind of marinating in that because I'm thinking about some parents though. Yolanda, mm-hmm. who have narcissistic um, or narcissistic type of personality, or honestly, they may not, because they don't have the capacity in their mind to feel empathy, they don't have the capacity to see that they're abusing, and so they're not meeting a need, but that still would be categorized as abuse, would it not? It, it would, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like any anytime that you're intentionally trying to hurt someone, um, even with, well, I guess I, let me rephrase that because if I guess like in your, it wouldn't be in your mind, but you're still doing it, right? Yeah, like it's not. I mean, it's questionable whether it's intentional or not. Mm-hmm. Like you know, some people say my narcissistic or whatever type mom, it was intentional. And others will say, well, no, she didn't have the capacity. So how could it be intentional? And so that's questionable. Yeah. But nonetheless, it was abusive and it was hurtful and it was destructive. Exactly. And thank you. You know, you know thank you for, for clearing that up. I guess it's more about the, that what, actual hap- what actually happened, right? Like the experience that took place um, regarding of the person who was doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so safety, that's, that's, uh, that's exactly it. If, um, if we don't feel safe, and we don't feel safe with the person that we're going to try to get help with, I, I mean, it, it can't, I don't see how um, any, any kind of uh, helpful work could be done. Yeah, and I think that this is what happens and oftentimes it happens in therapy. I'm actually like more interested in that. And I've been asking more questions about this because um, if people don't feel safe in relationships because their relationships weren't healthy at the be- like uh, the early stages of their lives, it, it is very um, likely that they will not feel safe in relationships in the present with other people. And so so yeah, so oftentimes people might be trying to work on fulfilling their potential. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. But you're co- constantly going to be triggered because it's unresolved feelings of unsafety. 
Mm-hmm. Just on the back, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that makes that makes so much sense. And um, I I had somebody reach out to me and say that um, they feel like they think they have had it all wrong, that they've been trying to, you know, reach their potential, uh, you know, run after their passion, and they're thinking they're realizing that they haven't yet really dealt with their trauma. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking in my mind like. It's really kind of until you really unwrap all of that, um, it's kind of hard to really know or feel who you really, really are. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. just uh, yeah, mm-hmm. on what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, it it's these internal things that we're not aware of because they're happening uncon- happening unconsciously, right? Mm-hmm. They just show up as thoughts and reactions and sensations Mm -hmm. and feelings you know and they they can't just be confusing especially if we are if we feel like um socially we've reached our potential right right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so so feeling safe you is really the first stage of trauma healing in other words we can't really move forward in healing if we haven't felt safe yes so it's uh, how the way that i view it is we can work we can be working in all three stages so it's not like you necessarily have to completely feel safe in order to work on the other two stages but uh-huh. if you really want to heal, you really can't um, fulfill your potential and feel satisfied completely if you haven't really addressed the first two stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, I mean, you, special- you specialize in trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so what are some of the ways that you as a therapist, um, you know, what are some of the ways that you can help somebody start to feel safe? Let's see. And safety, like safety um, for people who have experienced a lot of trauma goes back to the basics of what people were, what was taken away from them when they were kids. Mm -hmm. And so... I actually, this brings me back because I just did um, like a trauma informed therapy post. And I love, I love, oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, like it's giving the power back to the person. Um, I have to bring, I have people usually when they come to therapy, they can reenact, which means is play a lot of the same things out that they played in their relationship with their own parents. So mm-hmm. if they were, were usually very quiet with their parents, and I'm not sure, like, they're not going to want to yeah. <laughs> speak up or, yeah. or disagree with me, right? Um, so I try to do the best that I can to do that. So I often ask um, for their opinion. I often um, leave room, lots of room for So usually what I'll say is, you know, does that make sense to you? you? You can tell me if I'm way off on this one. 
oh, you know, like I, you're the one who are experiencing this. So you better, you know, better than I do how you're feeling. So I don't want to get this wrong. So I do that a lot in my therapy um, to create safety and make sure that people know that they have more answers than I do in terms of how they feel. I'm just here providing information and you're going to digest that information and take whatever fits for you. Um, I, I really like that, Yolanda, because as you were speaking, I was just feeling how you were enabling your client to start to feel that you were at the same level, mm-hmm. you know, so to take away that author, authoritarian kind of like, like you were saying yeah. at the beginning, you know, I can't make her mad or I can't say anything wrong or you were kind of, you're kind of dispelling that and taking that away and ma- creating a safe, a safe relationship between the two mm-hmm. of you. It's so important because I mean, everybody who's a therapist knows that we don't have all everything, the knowledge that we have. It's not like we apply to apply it religiously. Um, yeah. We have our own triggers. We have things that are stirred up in us. We're just more aware. And yeah. sometimes after the fact that that they happen, we we can go back and revisit and feel like, okay, I did this and I didn't necessarily like it. And, and then let's change that for the future. But um, it's very important that clients know that, that we're not to be put on some kind of pedestal of, Yes. Having all the answers and Yeah. I I remember reading something that you wrote. Again, <laughs> you've got to follow her because I really love her her stuff. Um and you wrote something just like that. You said, you know, yes, I've got the training, yes, I've got, you know, this and this, and yes, I'm a you know, a, a therapist, and I'm human mm-hmm. and I don't always have all the answers. And I and I thought, <laughs> oh, I love that because I remember way back when, when I was seeing therapists and they weren't trauma-informed. And, and it really, got, I, I, again, it could have been me just thinking it, you know, I thought they're the experts. <laughs> they have no problems. They're, you know, that's why they're in that position. Like I was so, I had no idea. And I love the way you're seeing more and more therapists, the coaches just saying, hey, I'm human mm-hmm. too. I'm, but I'm becoming more aware and I'm going to walk along with you. Yeah, and... I think that it's so important because oftentimes we can feel a lot of shame, right? Like you look at a therapist and they're like a blank slate. So you don't really know what they're going through. And you figure that they must have everything to get like their life together. (laughs) We don't. (laughs) We struggle just the same. It's just the awareness and the tools, right? Obviously, like, and it's a very important distinction because also um, I, I want to make sure that people also know that I'm trying my best to whatever, whatever work I accompany you, like if I'm working with you and I'm we're together in that journey, I will never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Um and so as being on the same journey, I understand that some things are really hard for me are going to be really hard for you. And although we're on the same like journey of life, right? we both experience like different things. And so there will be some things that I don't understand because I have not been in your shoes. Mm-hmm. So that's the part where you teach me what that is like for you. 
and I will try my best to be with you, right, in that journey. Um, so anyway, yeah. I, I love that. I love that. So the second stage is meeting. Okay, so feeling safe, first stage. Second stage, meeting unmet needs. So what do you mean? Oh, my God. So unmet needs, actually, like, it's one of my favorite things because um, it's one of the first things that I learned about when I was um, doing trauma, when I started delving into trauma work. And so when we're children, we have a list, um, but like we have needs that need to be met. Yes. And the way that I see this is that we have the we have needs like there are just basic human needs because when we're born, we're actually biologically speaking, we are born wired for connection. Um, so Dan Siegel actually speaks about it on his book, um, The Neurobiology of We. It's a book that I often recommend for people. It's an audible. I don't know if it's a printed book, but it's so worth it if you can access it. And he explains this concept where we're actually wired for connection the moment that we are born. So we're ready to connect Mm -hmm. to human beings. And Mm -hmm. how do we connect? We connect when other human beings meet our needs. And what are I'll just give you um some and it's like the need for attention the need for Mm -hmm. love the need for being accepted fully uh the need for um just like touch right like being hugged kissed there are lists like you can actually like google like list of needs and you will find it there's mm-hmm. so many, yeah. but I will usually, mm-hmm. what I will do is I will ask people in my office to write a list of the things that they felt that they didn't have when they were little in their relationship with And so they will mm-hmm. write the list like, oh, I didn't have, like, I didn't have, like, they didn't really accept me. So I was lacking that. And so they'll write it, right? And then I will ask them at the top of that list, you, you, you have written like the things that I didn't get from my parents, right? And at the end of the exercise, I will ask them to go back and then cross out the title of things I didn't get from my parents and write on top of it instead, things I'm looking for in a partner, And so, mm-hmm. like, their whole perspective of unmet needs changes and they realize that we have these human need, needs um, that they're normal and natural because we were wired for them and, and it's not us being needy, which is something I often hear, which is, like, that's not an accurate description of that. Um, mm-hmm. And... We're constantly looking to meet these needs first through our parents, and we try to connect a lot. And then at some point, we figure it's not going to happen. So we develop, like, our defense mechanisms, right? Like, we push away, or we numb, or we... Whatever it is, a response to it. Yeah. Um, 
but those unmet needs never go away. And so what I tell my clients is we usually put like a pause, like I know that they're not going to be met in this relationship, but I'm going to still try, but be really, really careful. And then when I'm Mm -hmm. older, I'm trying to find someone to meet those needs through. (laughs) And at first it's magic, right? Because at the beginning, relationships are just magical and you feel like the other person is meeting (laughs) all of these needs. They're giving you so much time. They're giving you so much attention. They're giving you so much um, love, acceptance, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so so it feels like you're fi- finally getting your needs met. And yes. those th- that's exactly what are the those parts of us that we didn't get when we were children that as adults mm-hmm. we're trying to look for in our relationships constantly. Because they they haven't, we, that part of us hasn't been been like fully healed. Yeah, and you know, not just uh, romantic relationships. I mean, we love friends that that listen to us, that sit with us, mm-hmm. that affirm us. I mean, like you said, all these needs. So, so so oh, yeah. interesting that we are going through our life still looking to meet our unmet needs which are like you said biologically in there it's a need yeah Yeah. oh yeah and you know what it's funny because I I, now I feel like I'm plugging in my account but it's like I'm remembering posts and information that I provided (laughs) and one of those things it is like the relationships in general very important and so there Mm -hmm. was a post that I wrote about using our emotions emotional reactions like those intense emotional reactions as teachers Mm -hmm. because when we are in a situation and we overreact or react very intensely to a situation um there's usually a history of feeling that way in the past um usually stems from childhood right so, for example, like I, I always love to give examples. So one example would be like if um, if I were to text a friend and that friend left me on scene, which is like very common nowadays, uh, my yeah. reaction to that would tell me if I have a history with feeling unseen and abandoned or, or unimportant. So if my reaction is yeah. really intense to that, then um, it's a good way to explore, hmm, like, what, what is it about this situation that is making me feel like this? Hmm. Yes, yeah. So there, yeah, I, I remember um, saying to someone how, you know, even if we didn't even talk about our story or say, you know, our history, what happened, just looking and observing our day-to-day moment-to-moment behavior, you can see our whole history. Like it's Mm -hmm. incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then number three, fulfilling potential. Uh, So our potential, our potential, it is going to be different for everyone. Right. But, um, 
so oftentimes we have an idea in our mind of what our potential looks like, but we're really scared. Um, and sometimes we're not scared at all um, to push ourselves, but we end up running into problems along the way that are more like relational problems. So mm-hmm. I guess fulfilling our potential is what is it that you really would do if there was no fear and if you felt very safe and if you felt like people around you uh, were there for healthy relationships, right? Like what would that life look like at the end uh, for you? And that's in my mind, that's what I have um, the image of, like the, the fulfilling your potential would be doing what makes you um, like the scary thing, right? Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm just picturing that, and that's that's exactly it. If we didn't have those things stopping us, mm-hmm. what would it be? Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I think a lot of the times we we uh, attribute um, our failures or. I, and I say all of these, I just say they're words, right? Because that really is not how I perceive it at all. But that's usually the common terminology that we use. And um, mm-hmm. if, when we perceive that we failed or we perceive that we're not good enough, um, everything that really stops us from fulfilling our potential are the the things from coming up right now. And and so I yes. tell so that so one of the things that I that I thought it was really important for people to know and understand is that you might see people that are very confident and you might see people are very successful in the way that they really just don't care. They just go and do whatever they want to do uh, without um, really paying attention to what other people think. Um, or, or, or how they, they're perceived. And that's not, that's something that sometimes people are born into, you know, like they're born to parents who are uh, very um, secure, or at least in the area where they're succeeding, right? Like if you, you're more likely to be successful, for example, if you're like financially, if you're born probably to like Bill Gates, <laughs> who no right? Like, cause he has, <laughs> he's able to give you that structure. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that we yeah. perceive to be like our flaws, they're not really our flaws. They're like our history that makes to really be um, kind of like explored and truly worked on to have a better understanding of how to move yeah. forward. So I truly yes. believe that if we build safety if we're working on building safety or at least understanding that we need that safety um if we work on meeting our unmet needs and at least have a very good awareness of how they're showing up in our lives then when we're working to do the scary thing and fulfill our potential then um then we're gonna have like a better picture of how our life works and why we do what we do and we can be we can push ourselves more because we now have more understanding of what's going on internally yes yes and that Mm -hmm. alone creates some Mm -hmm. safety that's good yeah that's great so before we end is there anything else you want to add to this 
Uh, no, I, I mean, I, no, I thank you for having me here. Uh, this is great. I love it. I can totally <laughs> for hours. And so, um, yeah, so I mean, thank you for, for having me here. Oh, thank you for being here. Now, if people want to find you, find your work. Yes. Where can so, I don't do any like therapy. Uh, I don't offer any services. I'm just here for like the fun of it. Um, just giving information, but I only have an Instagram page. Um, my, the name of my page is this is Yolanda Renteria and you can find me on Instagram and yeah. Yeah. Can you spell yeah. your last R-E-N-T-E-R-I-A. name? R-E-N-T-E-R-I-A. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Well, like I said, I encourage you guys to follow her. She always has wonderful posts that are really, really helpful. All right. So thank you so thank much. Thank you, Monique. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. You too. Take good care. Bye. If you would like to find out more information with regards to my coaching options, you could reach me on my website at www.cbtsdcoach.com. You can visit me on my Facebook and Instagram page at CBTSD Coach. Mm-hmm.